Good evening, and welcome to Dan Bain's Sleepy Time Mumbles, a podcast you can miss. I am Dan Bain, and every episode I improvise a low-stakes podcast for you to fall asleep to. Before we begin this evening's episode, let's take a moment to read some listener feedback. This listener feedback comes from Oldest Bob via Apple Podcasts, United States. Of America edition. Title of feedback. <sighs> Five golden stars. Off to a good start. Let's continue. At first, I was not convinced that Dan could soothe the gerbils, gerbils, gerbils is the Nazi, gerbils running wildly in my head, those squeaky wheels, then, then I was able to hear what Dan was saying over the gerbil wheels. Trouble was, I wanted to hear the end of the story. Uh oh. Then, I overcame my anxiety and realized that I can set my phone to repeat endlessly, and sooner or later, I'll hear everything. I confess, though, that I am a bit confused about how Old Bear and Old Dog connect with the picnic. Hmm. Thanks, Oldest Barb, for your hmm review. I respond to your review by also saying hmm. How old bear and old dog connect with the picnic? Wait, are they both stories from the Library of Inertia? I believe they're separate stories. I don't think they're meant to continue on. Unless, of course, all stories within the Library of Inertia exist in a Sleepy Time Mumbles shared universe much like the Marvel or DC continuums maybe they are all linked 
maybe we just need to work out together the shared threads of story that tie them all together. I'm not sure what they are yet, but I'm sure if we all got into that that liminal state that exists between sleeping and waking, the lucidity of dreams with the practicality of consciousness, maybe then we could find a way to link them all up. I'm not sure. Thanks, though, all this barb for taking the time to share your thoughts on the podcast and how it overcame your skepticism, scepticism, scepticism. If you'd like to join Oldest Barb in sharing your theories on the cohesiveness of the imagined world conjured up, I'd love to hear from you. It's great if you can do that via Apple Podcasts because it really helps other people find the show. Or you could follow the show on Facebook at I Am Dan Bain or on Instagram where we are. Sleepy Time Mumbles. But not now. They can wait. For now, put down your phone, turn off your screens, close your eyes. Now it's time to be mumbled to sleep. Season 2, episode 12, Uneventful Reminiscences, The Service and Restoration of Oak Wine Barrels for the New Zealand Wine Industry, from Let's say 1997, you know, last century, to perhaps 2001, maybe.
maybe 2002. I had an unusual occupation. While simultaneously being a high school student and then a first and second year technical college student, I, in my spare time, in the after hours, and in the holidays, I earned my money by being a Cooper's assistant, aka a barrel technician. When I say barrel, you may picture a 44 gallon steel drum, but that is not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is a 225 litre oak barrel, a barrique, which is the standard size for barrels wood barrels used for the fermentation of wine and my job was to restore these to a usable state Let me tell you how that worked. First of all, you need to understand a little about the process by which wine is aged in oak barrels. There are only two types of oak that are suitable for the making of barrels, at least those that have wine in them, and that is French oak and American oak. Why? It's about growth rate. They need to grow fast enough that you can harvest enough of them but they also need to grow slow enough that the grain is dense enough to be waterproof for example New Zealand oak grows too quickly It's not a hardwood as a result. And it is not 
waterproof. Therefore, make a barrel out of it. It will leak, irrespective of the quality of the craftsmanship, because the wood itself is porous. My digress. As I mentioned, you need to know a little something about the processing of wine in a barrel and what that does to the barrel. On the inside of a barrel, and bear in mind these are wooden barrels selected for their ability to impart an oaky flavour to the wine. The wine inside them will uh, causes a build-up of tannins. I'm sure you've heard of this phrase in relation to wine. The tannins build up and they form a layer of tartrates inside the barrel. These are a crystal, crystalline structure that builds up along with obviously the wine soaking into the wood. And over time the build-up of this causes the cask to stop imparting the oaky flavour that the winemaker is perhaps looking for. That stops it being imparted into the wine. And herein lies the job of the restorer. One needs to understand that a brand new barrel will retail at that time at approximately a thousand dollars. It's a lot of money for a storage item. And so the ability to refurbish it and allow it to live another one, maybe two, maybe even three wine seasons becomes essential in making your winery business viable. Restoration is required. How does one go about this? First you need to understand that in order to become a cooper, a maker of barrels, a master craftsman, one traditionally undergoes a four-year, four-month 
apprenticeship. That's four years to learn the trade and four months in case you had any days off. Because it's a Scottish kind of puritanical kind of thing. You don't get any days off coopering. And I will say that I... Well, I spend a good amount of time around the making, manufacturing, and restoring of barrels. I did not do my time. I haven't got my papers. I know just enough to be dangerous. Here's how it goes. You need to understand how a barrel works. A barrel is constructed of staves. The staves are the lengthways part of the barrel. You know, the wooden bits with the bend to them. One of them has a hole in it. The bung hole. That's where you, the wine goes in or comes out and it's sealed with a bung. Hence, the bung hole. It'll make sense now, I'm sure. The staves these individual bent and jointed pieces of wood are held in place and together by the hoops. The hoops are the metal bands around it. Between six, eight, generally metal, sometimes cane, in addition, but usually metal, let's not be ridiculous here, it's not the middle ages anymore, the hoops hold the staves together, and at the end, and this is perhaps the important bit, there are two end pieces on either end of the barrel, there isn't a lid, the lid is a construction of Hollywood, so Jim Lad can hide in the barrel of apples in Treasure Island and the lid can come on and off. In an actual barrel the lids do not come on and off. They are below the level of the end, they are held in place with a groove that is cut on the top of the staves. This groove it's called the Crows, C-R-O-Z-E, and in that sits the end. It's sealed. These are the critical parts of the barrel you need to understand, the staves, the hoops, 
the end, the crows, perhaps the chime, the chime is the middle, the most bulbous part of the staves. Maybe you need to know about that, we'll see, probably not. How do we restore it then? We know the parts of it. We know that the inside is no longer effective. Tell us then, how shall we restore it? Our first phase is, what we need is a, a hammer and driver. The hammer is a heavyweight mallet. The driver, best described as a, a wooden wedge with a metal sheath over the thin end of the wedge. We use those to knock the hoops off one end of the barrel. One, two, three, four. We knock them off. Sometimes the hoops will be pinned. Small tender hooks, hooked nails hammered into the oak through the through holes drilled in the metal of the hoops. Or holding onto the top of it. We'll put the driver specifically under those and just knock them out as we release the tension on the hoops. One, two, three, four. Off they go and as they come off the staves will spring apart. They aren't glued, you see. The fact they don't leak is due to craftsmanship, not adhesives. They spring apart, and as they spring apart, the end will fall out. Out comes the end, and then we're going to put the hoops back on. The end will be removed, placed to the side. Of course, we'll have marked it. It'll have a number on it. It'll have a line drawn on it that aligns with a line that we've drawn on the inside of the barrel. They're going to line up when we reassemble it. But not now. Now we're taking them apart. That end comes out, the hoops go back on, one, two, three, four, we tighten them up, hammer and driver, turn the whole thing over, same again, hoops off, one, two, three, four, end number two, falls out, now we have a hollow cylinder, we will once we put the hoops back on. Don't forget that. One, two, three, four. Those hoops are back on. Now we can look at the interior. Oh yeah. Heavily stained. Considerable build-up of tartrates. Those white crystals all through the inside. 
The wine's never going to be able to taste the wood. The wood's never going to touch the wine. And that's not what we want. So what we're going to do... We're going to sit down. We're going to put this barrel... We're going to put the end of it on the ground and the other end on our lap. We're going to bend forward. We're going to put our head inside it. And in our hand, we've got a spoke shave. It's not any kind of spoke shave. It's got a curve to it. And it's specifically for shaving out the inside of a barrel. The blade's going to extend ever so slightly. And all the way around, we're going to take about five mils of wood off the whole thing. If the cask is wet, this is going to be easy. We'll get it done in about a quarter of an hour. If the cask is dry, or the build-up of tartrates is considerable, or if it's American oak rather than French oak, it's going to take longer. Considerably longer. But we're going to shave out the entirety of the inside by hand. You may be thinking, why not use an angle grinder? It takes too much wood out. It chews it to bits. And these things are expensive, remember. We need to be careful. Nope. The best way to do it is by hand. And I hope you're excited about building up your forearm muscles and getting some big old calluses on your thumbs because that's what's going to happen we're going to shave it out however the size of the order is we're going to do all of this in phases we're not doing one barrel from start to finish we're going to do them in phases so we'll take all the ends out first and then we'll shave them and then we'll run all those ends we'll break them in half we'll run them through the thicknesser again just taking off cutting it back to the fresh wood then we'll reassemble those ends. Are we going to put them back in? No. Not yet. We've done shave. But there's two phases to this job. Toast and shave. Even though, if we were to describe it chronologically, it would be shave and toast. What we're going to do is we're going to light a fire. We're going to light a fire in, uh, in a little jig. And we're going to put the barrel on top of that. And we're just going to let that fire burn inside it for a bit. And we're going to tip it on its side to create kind of a chimney effect. Because what we want to do is we want to kiss the sides of the barrel with the flame we don't want to cook it we're not charring it we're not making bourbon barrels here 
where the game is light a fire inside of it and if it catches on fire great we're not making bourbon barrels we're making wine barrels that means medium toast just let the flames kiss it what are we doing here what's the purpose the toasting brings out the flavor in the oak and it's also going to sterilize it we've just opened up a barrel and put our head inside it and dug around in it with hand tools and sweat let's take a moment to uh, kill any bacteria with flame once we've toasted them all, we need to reassemble them. Hoops off, ends back in. Then, bulrushes. They go into the chime along with the end. The chime, no, not the chime, fuck. Then, bulrushes. They go into the crows along with the end. The crows, remember, is the name of the slot at the end of the staves in which the end slots into. But we're going to need to seal it. So what we're going to do is we're going to get some bulrushes and we're going to tamp those in there. It's not going to do much at the moment, but as soon as those get wet, they're going to swell up and they're going to fill any gaps that may be left around the most vulnerable joins, the ones around the end. Then, hoops back on. Maybe we need to take in the end hoop. What does that mean? It means we're going to pop the rivet out of it. We're going to tighten it, we're going to tighten it up about a centimetre. Then we're going to pop another rivet hole in it before we put it back on. Then we go into a process called the final drive. Where we just batter the heck out of them. Just... Make sure they're down as tight as they can be. Then, tenterhooks. Put the nails back in. Sometimes, fill them up with water. But, if you're confident, you'll be right. Then we're going to empty them out. We're going to get a sulfur stick. We're going to set fire to that and burn it inside it. What does that do? Fills the inside with sulfur. Nothing is going to live through that. Then we seal it up. Put the bung in. The bung goes in the bung hole. We've given it a toast and shave. Done and dusted. The barrel has been restored.
is ready for another wine season. Dedicate this episode to my dad, David Bain, Master Cooper. 1945 to 2010 rest in peace there was episode 12 of season 2 Sleep Down Mumbles Uneventful Reminiscences Restoration of Oak Wine Barrels For the New Zealand Wine Industry If you'd like to follow the show Or help us out Or generally support us all the links to be able to do that are in the notes for this show. Until next time. Good night. Sleep tight.